Support Black Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The First Year Project, a podcast sharing the stories behind the good, bad, and integral aspects of first-year experiences. Every Monday, your host, Alexis Claytor, breaks down the lessons that we learn from those difficult moments that are truly integral to our growth and need to be shared with others. Subscribe to the newsletter for updates, playlists to get you through the week, and blog posts to hopefully help you navigate through your own first year a little easier. The First Year Project, available on firstyearproject.com, as well as on SoundCloud and every place the good podcast be. Remember, support Black Podcast. Welcome once again to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. I am your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul on GTownRadio.com, Wednesdays 8 to 10 p.m. And I am joined as always by... Yo, holler at your boy, this is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And to, on this episode, yes. we are going to spend some time for the first time. Mm-hmm. With one of the films starring Richard Pryor, believe it or not, 100 episodes in, and we've never actually reviewed a Richard Pryor film. Well, then it makes sense that we would start with the, I believe this may be his first starring role. His first starring his first, role. The first time his name is above is the abo- title. And it's just him. Yeah. Which Way Is Up from 1977. Wow. But before we do that course we have feedback all right from our missionaries out there all right what's going on with the missionaries this week well let me tell you we actually got um we actually got another review on itunes very nice well maybe (laughs) well it's overjoyed five stars oh good excellent um from ben baptized hey ben Len and Vince bring to your ears a podcast that is an utter joy to listen to. At times brutal and reverential, joyous and jaded, these two give pop culture gems a fair, funny shake. Whether with well-curated guests or running as a duo, every episode is fantastic. High recommend. Thank you, Ben. We appreciate that. Very kind of you. And Uh, welcome if, if you just joined the ride. Most certainly. Speaking of well-curated guests, we also got feedback. A lot of people enjoyed Stephanie Renee. Hey, man. And uh, when she joined us for our review of Loving Jezebel. I I didn't want to embarrass her with her sitting right here, but I think you can legitimately say Stephanie Renee is a Philadelphia legend. Yeah, I would say that. You know? I would say that. So, absolutely. Yeah, people were uh, big time caping up for her. Uh, I'm going here and just... Finding where people saw uh, Steve Tozen said uh, Stephanie Renee is a joy. Yeah, you know, like where she been. Yeah, some people are saying like you know, Len, you can stay home. I mean, it was really (laughs) nobody said that. (laughs) People were just going in 
on Stephanie and Renee. Yeah, they yeah, really, yeah. They really she's she's great. Her. Yeah, yeah. She was cool. She was she was very cool. Um, she fit right in. <laughs> the the funny part is the part that you the early part that you played. How long had we been talking? Because I felt like we'd been talking for twenty minutes. We were. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I edited that down considerably. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. So yeah, she's she's great. Yeah, she was really dope. Um, uh, Steve Tozen also said that uh, Len, don't be talking about New York City streets giving people diseases coming from Philly. <laughs> don't do it. I'm sorry. I. Uh- <laughs> I'm sorry. I will walk barefoot in Philly before I walk barefoot in New York. I'm going to back away and let the Philadelphians and the New Yorkers fight that out. Vince, come on. Be serious. Hey, hey. Be serious. I'm, Manhattan. Hey, I'm not saying like, you know, right, some of your cleaner right, parts of Brooklyn and right, stuff like that. Right, right. But Manhattan. I'm just saying I'm going to back away and let y'all duke it out. Whatever. <laughs> punk up. Punk up, man. Uh... Manfred T. Oliver hey, said what's up, Manfred? he was waiting for us to do Loving Jezebel. A lot of people like this film. Like when you bring it up, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, and they like this film. I think it is a unique enough film that it stands out and people go, oh, yeah. Vincent Slaughter said, OJ, stop killing these white women. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble from that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. True story. Absolutely a true story. And then there was uh, more the love fest for Black Panther. Yeah, continues. I mean, hey man, it is now. It is. Uh, it, it, am I correct? I read this somewhere. I think it is already in the top ten of the highest grossing films in U.S. box office history. And I believe I saw something this morning because it's breaking records so fast you can't even keep up. I, I believe it has passed The Dark Knight Returns. As the um, let me let me get all the modifiers right. It's the highest domestic gross for a single superhero film. Wow! So you know the Avengers has made more than it, and but but yeah, that's incredible. It's it's in it, in maybe a little over a month. It's, it's not even. It hasn't it's been not a even month. a month. It's not even a yeah, month. Because it won't be a month till the fifteenth. It is not even a month, and I just have to say, just anecdotally, including from myself, I I know lots of people who are still going to see it in the film, in the movies. Yeah. Like I just haven't had a chance to go back or this, that, and the other. So I, yeah, I don't think this thing is is stopping anytime soon. It's crazy, man. Robert Monroe uh posted. Hey, what's up, Robert? That um, he was happy to see that it has been made official that Black Panther is going to be getting a sequel. Yes, yes, yes. It is nice. It is always nice to see it official. But like I halfway feel like they went and grabbed the cast and they went and shot some extra scenes for Infinity War. Oh, really? Like they're just going to rename it Black Panther, Shuri and them and the Avengers. (laughs) Or they'll just call it the Avengers Infinity War and then in parentheses, please, black people, y'all come out and see this too. Black Panther's in it. (laughs) Or Avengers Infinity War colon, maybe M'Baku was in it. I don't know. You have to come and see. Maybe M'Baku. You have to come see. Can I just tell you that I've been caught completely unawares 
by how uncomfortable I am with the conversation around M'Baku. What do you mean? Like, I thought I was ready for Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan, but it's the, the level of lust over Winston Duke oh. just makes me feel like I feel like a pro. I'm like, oh, really? I should leave the room. And then, like, I close my computer and go in the next room and start singing hymns. <laughs> Like the Mbaku fans are real, real lusty. Well, I mean, the brother we he, we he put it on him. Hey, apparently, he put him on him, and he was no joke. I think Winston Duke probably had a good weekend. Did you see? Um, oh, I'm trying to find it, and I know I'm not going to be able to find it in time. That there was a contest that they did, and I think um, it may have been Good Morning America. I'm not sure, but they done a contest for like people to recreate Umbaku scene okay. from the movie. <laughs> and this young kid I saw the little boy, yeah. Right. Yeah, re- it's fantastic. Re- recreated it. Well, Good Morning America, they they gave him like a prize. That's fantastic. You know, they had uh, um they gave him like this whole like Black Panther like toy set. Like every freaking Black Panther right, toy right, there right, ever right. was. And he had it in there and they surprised him at his house and he like he passed out. Oh right. But then they had William Duke Skype him. Winston. Winston, yes, Winston Duke, Skype him. Oh, that's fantastic. And talk to him as in Man, I tell you. That was really dope. That's really dope. That was in, that's incredible. I mean, it, and it's kind of cool considering how much everybody's caped up for the women, rightfully so, right? From Black Panther, but it's kind of cool that Winston Duke is getting his shine. Absolutely, you know, because he's um, more than deserving of it. Absolutely, so it's really cool that he's getting some love out there. Uh, so shout out to Winston Duke and shout out to Black Panther. Even though you don't need don't need no shout outs from me. Um, Black Panther, it, it you know, this past weekend made another one, another forty-one million dollars. Yes, it did, which is enough for it to be number one in the box office again, despite a Wrinkle in Time opening. Yes, it did. Now, Wrinkle in Time did do thirty-three million. Absolutely. So it, it was you know had second place all to itself. Yes, clear to itself. But there are some people who are like, oh my gosh, you know. Do you think that Black Panther stole a little bit of Wrinkles Thunder? I mean, I don't. You don't? Do you? I do. Really? How? I think... Well, first, did you see it? Wrinkle in Time? Yeah. I have not. Oh. Did, have you seen it? Yes. Okay. Um, well, here's why I think it stole its, its, a little bit of its thunder. Okay. Now, and I don't mean intentionally. No, no, no. Ob- obviously not intentionally. But the phenomena of it is such that you like you say there are people going to see it a third and a fourth time yes and usually when those people are going they're taking someone who hasn't yet seen it because you know for a long for like the first couple of weeks it was sold out right oh, right you know, right so some people you know they they just getting around to see it you know the money wasn't right so now their money's right you know four weeks later it's another payday boom let's go see be like panther i know how right. this works so um so people, so that's drawing people in. Then, then also you have the fact that you know 
as much as everybody's talking about Michael Bay Jordan, as much as everybody's talking about Winston Duke and the whole Black Panther and what it means to Marvel, the one of the biggest stories, we just kind of like touched on it, is the depiction of women. Right. And their importance in this film. Right. right? And when you look at the women in this film, you have women of almost every generation from Angela Bassett to uh, Danae Guerrera to Lupita Nyong'o, even down to Letitia Wright. Right. So there's something for everyone, right? Right. So that makes it an empowering film for women to want to go see as well. Right. Which I think maybe pulled a little bit of the crowd from A Wrinkle in Time. Even though I know Wrinkle in Time is not strictly a women's film it is you know some some you know a, a children's movie some would say or maybe a tween movie i don't know right right um but i think from what i've gathered from people that talk about the book yes and people that have seen the movie yes. is that it is it certainly lends itself more to being called a a female empowerment type oh, of Oh, absolutely. Film. I was about to say, I'd actually say it's very much a girl's movie. Yeah. yeah. So I I could see that, but with Black Panther maybe pulling some people away from that, I could, I could see it maybe. I feel like someone who's going into a wrinkle in time like this, you know, the these sort of very empowering images of girls, and particularly girls of color, and specifically black girls. Mm-hmm. I feel like a parent who has that kind of mindset has seen Black Panther already. Okay. Like, I actually disagree with you a little bit. I don't know. It's funny because someone actually posted on on the um, on the Facebook in the Facebook group about how they just saw Black Panther and they weren't in prison. Because remember, I was joking. That was uh, uh, Sabria, right? Right. Yeah. I was joking, but I really do think that anyone who Again, would be so invested in a wrinkle in time, so invested in Ava DuVernay, so invested in this in this phenomenon to see a wrinkle in time opening weekend. I think a lot of them have seen Black Panther already. I just think they're two different movies. Okay, like it's just really two different movies, and and it's almost like oranges and like peaches. Like they're both fruit, they're both summer fruits, but they're they're actually different. The longer you think about them, well, I so but, but I do think they're wildly different films, right? Right. But I think that there are some people who, in you know, if you're a family and you're thinking about taking your family to the movies, right? I think there's a little bit of something for everyone at Black Panther that may not readily right. be apparent. Right, in, in A Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle and I agree with that. And I, and I think a lot of that has to do with what I have, what I infer were the goals of the films. Okay. And the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Not just the directors, but everyone involved. I think, and I actually meant that, like someone, like like I said a couple of weeks ago, I had concerns about a wrinkle in time, and I never really followed up on it. And I think my concerns were, it it's a weird book, right? Like if you ever read a wrinkle in time, like it really is one of those books, you know, written I think in 1962. So this is before the real concept of children's literature, like we think about it. 
mm. was in place. Like it's a weird book. It's kind of abstract. It's kind of of I mean just freaky. Yeah. So that so that it's not like there's no bad guy per se in a wrinkle in time. Like there's no action sequence where where Meg punches somebody in the mouth. Like Meg doesn't learn how to you, you know like there's no training montage okay for her so that it really is the type of film that i think it was doing it was trying to do something different than black panther and, and and the the sense that i got from the advertising from 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 the interviews and again the, the wrinkle in time like this is a 50 year old book mm-hmm. so you know So that I just I just think this was a really, really difficult story to film. And and I've said that from the very beginning. I didn't know how they would pull it off. So how did they pull it off? I think they did okay. Ava DuVernay. Ava DuVernay. I, I think Ava DuVernay did okay. Now I will preface that with the caveat that I am a forty seven year old man who read the book like 35 years ago okay and and when i was a kid and you know we've talked about this when we talked about ralph bocce mm-hmm. and and you know we had certain sensibilities as those kids so that kind of weird esoteric abstract funkiness mm-hmm. a lot of it isn't in this film uh, okay and i don't think i'm the target audience for this film now my 13 year old daughter loved it really loved it so that, and this was like, that's like the age. This that's the that's age the age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Meg, I think Meg is twelve, thirteen. Right. You know, they they made some changes that I didn't like. I think, um, I think Oprah Winfrey looks like like I've talked about this before. I think Oprah is sort of intrinsically distracting. Like she just always looks like Oprah. Oh. Okay. No matter what she's in. Okay. So I was calling her Space Oprah. For two hours, <laughs> but it's a gorgeous film. It's absolutely breathtaking and gorgeous, and and like I said, my daughter loved it. My mm. daughter loved it. So, I think Ava DuVernay did as well as she could have with okay. everything involved. I mean, because I mean, this is very much a Disney film. It was very much some money involved. It was right. very much like I think this T-shirts and backpacks and. Like the movie I wanted was you you couldn't make that movie and sell T-shirts and backpacks. But the movie that you wanted is closer to the aesthetic of the book. To the book. But to the point where the movie I wanted, like once you finish adding it up, I don't know if you can make that movie. Too too expensive? Or you just can't make it. Like so much of the book is is is, again, abstract. Like there are characters in this film that in the book – never actually materialize Mm. like they're just voices and so much of it takes place in your head and and you know and there's like this kind of funky christian undercurrent to it where it really is about your soul Mm. and 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 goodness and you know things that well here's that word again abstract but it was a beautiful film and again the highest compliment i can pay to it is that my daughter loved it and she's been on a black panther high for three weeks Okay. So, well, I mean, like I said, it made thirty-three million dollars. Is no shame. No, no, and not at all. The this, the the telltale sign will be 
whether or not it has legs is if it it's at least brings in over twenty million next right. week. And I almost think it's unfair to judge it like that. I suspect this is going to be a film sort of like the never ending story. The film, The NeverEnding Story, right. which I don't believe actually made that much money no, it did when not. it came out. But sort of in perpetuity, it's become this ongoing thing mm-hmm. with a certain demographic. Right. That this is their favorite movie. This movie has stayed with them. They share it with their children. Or, you know, even The Princess Bride. Right. Like, I don't know how much money The Princess Bride Didn't made. make a whole lot of money Right, but, but now we talk about it. Yeah, but see, but the difference between them... And A Wrinkle in Time is that A Wrinkle in Time costs about $120 million to, to well, make. Well, yeah. And that, that's mm. where the difference is. Yeah. The, the money is there. It's up on the screen. The money is there. You see it in the promotions. You know what I mean? Um, I, too, believe I haven't seen it. Right. But I think, like you, too, that this film may very well be destined to have some kind of like cult classic and be revisited uh, uh, years and years by children alike, uh, you know, um, for generations to come. But the the goalposts, as they will, as you will, is whether or not it at least makes back the money that it cost right and i think to do that to have a reasonable shot of doing that it has to make at least another 20 million dollars next weekend now i think it's in i think despite it finishing second to black panther i think it is primed to make that money because for each week that black panther is out and more and more people see it that's uh that following week People saying, okay, now let's go see the Ava DuVernay movie. Right, right. You know what I mean? So I think it will it will eat, you know, Black Panther's leftovers a little bit, thankfully. Yes. And um and do very well. Uh I know that's not necessarily the goalpost for Ava DuVernay, nor should it be. No, no, not at all. Um and I don't think that and I think that, you know, her finish uh, this week um and it's it's gotten mixed reviews but for the most part i i yeah. I, I think they're favorable <clears throat> well again i think it's i think it's unfair i think ultimately when we look back at this this is going to be one of those films that the advertising is almost misleading really yeah that because the advertising uh, paints it at least in my eyes, okay, as um, a bit of a fanciful romp through this yeah, crazy, see, yeah, like almost like a. It almost gave the, the the vibe to me of like an Alice in Wonderland type of thing, <laughs> without like the inherent danger. That's in right, right, yeah. It's not. Mm. You, you know, again, it's is. I think the challenges. I think the. The, the the sort of the, the the sort of plot points. This isn't a YA high adventure. Like this is a girl looking for her father and sort of finding out about herself. Okay. And and there's some bright colors in there, but 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 the true conflict is very much within her. 
So that, again, I think for a particular person, again, my my daughter is a 13-year-old black girl. I think that kind of spoke to her. Like there's this whole little subplot, not subplot, but but this detail about hair and and what hair kind of hair looks good and this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, I think- Are kids singing good or bad hair? No, they're not. But there is this sense of what is and is not considered pretty. And how we're going to address that. And oh. and again, I think for girls generally and and girls of color, certainly. Right. And black girls, definitely. Mm-hmm. This speaks to something. Most definitely. So. Okay. I hope, I hope it makes all the money in the world. I hope it, it makes all the money in the world. But like I've said from day zero, I thought this was – this was not a film – I would have chosen for Disney to make. Wow. Yeah. The irony is I think Ava DuVernay in um, middle of nowhere mode would have been really, really interesting. Okay. Like middle of nowhere, Ava DuVernay, that wrinkle in time, I think would like that, that kind of quiet mm. that you get in middle of nowhere. Like I would have loved that, but, but okay. you, you know, okay. Don't nobody listen to me. Soon, Vince. But again, my 13-year-old loved it, and I think that's ultimately what, what, going for. what matters. Yeah. Amen. Um, and I liked it. Let's be clear. I liked it. Okay. My daughter loved it. All right. Go yes, ahead. you did like it. Yeah, I liked it. There you go. Uh, before we get into our review, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to invite you, if you haven't already, visit MichaudeMission.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X Mission. Dot com to check out each and every one of our uh, past shows. Uh, now's the time because if you will go there, you will see along the little menu that shows you where the podcast is and you can got a little about page that tells you about me and Vince and everything like that. Um, you'll see a little uh, uh, line that says store. Uh oh, watch out now because we've got a store. Baby, we've got merch. We got swag. We got swag for you, ladies and gentlemen. We got stuff. We got stuff. First, we have our Michelle Mission t shirt. Yes. In both men and women's cut. Ooh. Yeah, you know, so you know, because we have a, a fair amount of uh, lady lady missionaries. Lady missionaries. So we want to uh tend to tend to them as well. So we got a ladies cut and a men's cut. Uh Michelle Missionary, Michelle Mission shirts uh, on a lovely uh, wheat colored shirt. It's a lovely shirt. Yes, this was uh, Vince's uh, <laughs> selection of color, and I have to say, it came off very nicely. It pops. And we have Michelle Mission lapel pins. That's right. That you can wear. Wear adorned on your coats, your hats, your your jackets, your book bags. About to say your messenger bags. Your mm-hmm. anywhere and every place you want to stick a pin, you can now rock out with the Michaud Mission lapel pin. Yes, which is a nice steel. It is you know, nice, you know, like a, like brushed gray metal. Yes, it's, it is. Really fly. It is. The picture does not do it justice. It does not. It's loverly. So you can go to the store on MichelleMission dot com and uh, get you know get get you, get a little bit of merch and we appreciate it because that helps us keep the show free 
for each and every one of you. There you go. At the end of the day, that's why we're doing it. That's right. You know? Um, brought to you by the Michelle Vision. Yeah. Vince and Len. That's us. Okay. All right. It's time. It is time. Which way is up? Friends, this is the story of Leroy Jones. No, that's not him. Or rather, that wasn't him. What the nigga done doing now? No, that's not him either. That's Leroy Jones, the one that bears a striking resemblance to Richard Pryor. He's an ordinary man with ordinary desires. You think maybe I could have one kiss? (laughs) Yes, he was a loving man. A man with honesty and courage. Family man. I believe there's a attack of lunacy going around here. <laughs> a man of passion. Oh, oh. Yeah, a man of action. Oh, naughty boy. You will be punished. With a wonderful woman to support. Well, actually, two wonderful women and a wonderful kid. He climbed the ladder of success. Then, tripped. Yeah, the nigga gonna be famous, all right. Gonna be the first one to ever see his own funeral on TV. Friends, if he could do it, why can't you? Just see which way is up. The inspiring story of a winner. I'm number uno. <laughs> a sinner. You have not sinned unless you do it on pirates. And the world's dirtiest old man. Starring Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor. Which way is up? Richard Pryor, which way is up? Which way is up? A 1977 film based loosely on the Italian film from 1972, The Seduction of Mimi, directed by Michael Schultz. Uh, According to IMDb, the, the, the plot, orange picker Leroy Jones, played by Richard Pryor inadvertently becomes a union leader and is forced out of town, leaving behind his sexually obsessed father, Rufus, also played by Richard Pryor, and spouse Annie Mae, played by the perpetually underrated Margaret Avery. He heads for Los Angeles where he falls for union organizer Vanetta, played by Lynette McGee, Annie may seek solace from the local preacher Lennox Thomas, played by all together now Richard Pryor, who eventually impregnates her. <laughs> Spoiler. When Leroy catches wind of this, he heads home for a showdown with Lennox and for revenge with Lennox's wife. Mm. 1977's Which Way Is Up, directed again by Michael Schultz. This was the choice of Lynn Webb. Yeah, we were long overdue 
to do a movie that Richard Pryor was the lead in. And I say we were long overdue because when you're thinking about doing every black film Mm -hmm. ever made, you know, um, I don't know about you, but I start thinking, I quickly start going to, okay, who were the big black stars? Right. And the truth of the matter is, is that in the late 70s, early 80s, there may not have been a bigger black star than Richard Pryor. Okay. So he was, with that being said, he was just ready to be plucked and do one of his films. Now, we have seen Richard Pryor along along the way on the mission. We've seen him in uh in uh Bingo Long, Traveling All Stars, we saw him in Uptown Saturday Night. So which is the the way by which he was plying his trade in Hollywood at this time. He was doing like bit roles coming in being the funny man with the funny lines and a funny character um and stealing scenes from numerous of films like you uh you mentioned that he was in car wash uh he was um he was also in oh now I'm just drawing a blank on he was in lady sings the blues right he was in lady sings the blues which which gave you a whole nother side right him. right and we also saw he's in the mac he's in the mac right and I'm forgetting that we also saw him in Wattstacks. He's in Wattstacks, well, right, right. Playing more or less himself. Right. But to me, he comes off as like the chorus right. of that, you know, concert film. Sure. Uh, so, you know, while he's doing that at this time, he is building up his um, considerable cred as a stand-up comedian as the premier stand-up comedian sure. of his time, probably alongside George Carlin. They were right. coming up around the same time. And both kind of taking similar paths yeah. from being more mainstream uh, to finding their individual voices and becoming a lot more uh, uh, introspective, introspective um, and reflexive of their times uh, as their comedy grew uh, into their older ages, um, so like I say, we were we were due to get in on this. So it made sense to choose Richard Pryor's very first film that he is the lead in to right. see whether or not okay, can we put a film up on his shoulders and can he carry us? through a film okay and i think that in which way is up as much as you see what would soon become uh richard pryor cliches his kind of like go-to you know um affects when it comes to his acting yeah you see some of those born in which way is up you got to remember that this is the first time. Right. This is this is pure Richard. This is pure Richard trying to put his leading man on. Um, and as while I think he is a little uneasy with it, and I think that the film on a whole is a little uneven mm-hmm. because of that, and be, and probably more so because of like the story. It still is just a really 
interesting film. It's funny. Yes. It's very funny. It's drop is drop dead funny. Um it's also strangely as misogynistic as it is, which is only being true to the times in which it was made, it is still progressive. Yeah. In that you uh in that at the end, you know, the comeuppance is felt mm-hmm. and felt strong and hard. So, um, it's, you know, like you, like you said, you know, not only do you have Richard, Richard Pryor, you got Margaret Avery and Lynette McKee, um, stealing scenes. Yeah. Oh yeah. In this movie. And I'm not just saying with their beauty, I'm just saying like, just even with their, just a presence yeah. in the film, um, you have, it would have been very easy for Richard and Michael Schultz, who's worked with him before, and is probably, you know, was intrigued about trying to, okay, how do I harness this energy that right. is Richard Pryor? Right. Um, uh, uh, without putting him being too restrictive on him. And, and you can see that he actually pulls a very at times nuanced performance yeah. out of Richard Pryor in this film. Absolutely. You know, don't get me wrong. We're not working with Sidney Poitier here, yeah. but you're still working with, with a guy that is sincere in everything that he's doing oh, yeah. in the film. And I think that's what comes across, yeah. you know? Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was, as much as I was laughing again, because I hadn't, I it's probably easily been twenty years since I've seen this film, mm-hmm. um, in total, in in totality. But it was it was really just touching for mm-hmm. me to see him, mm-hmm. to see him at this time of his career, um, at the height of his powers, uh, being able to go in and out of all these crazy characters, you mm-hmm. know, and and still. Even doing the characters, still giving them a little bit of an edge, a little, a little bit of layer to them. You know, maybe not so much the pop, but you know, but he, he's still having fun with them. Uh, he in this one film, he showed like he, it was a masterclass in, on a comedian finding himself on film. Yeah, and I just, I just really enjoyed, like, going back in time and and enjoying Richard Pryor again. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah, I agree with with I think everything that you just said. Like, you hit pretty much everything I wanted to hit. You know, I'll just start with the women, mm-hmm. since you and I. You know, I think Margaret Avery. Well, first, first of all, and and we talked about this when we talked about Sparkle. How how frustrated I get during the seventies with Lynette McGee's performances and and her roles because I think she's legitimately a good actress. Yes, and I think you know you see bits and pieces of her in places like even you know like random episode of a different world at mm-hmm. one point mm-hmm. where she's funny. Yeah, and she has all of these tools, but because she's Lynette McGee. And it's 1977, and she looks like she looks in 1977. The only job that people really give her is to be gorgeous. Right. So that 
she doesn't I think you're right she does steal scenes but I think part of it is just like like she's just drop dead gorgeous yeah but she doesn't have a lot to do she quickly is like like she's literally sidelined yeah you could you, you, you know and you the, meet her as an activist right and she's pretty quickly is deactivated yeah absolutely that is true that is and true. while that is frustrating for me it does have this great space where you know we were talking i said it just now and we were talking before margaret avery is amazing in this film she is she is actually amazing she is funny Mm -hmm. she has physical humor Mm -hmm. she is she is amazingly sexy oh yeah like just crazy sexy she um she 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 has moments where she's supposed to be sad yeah you know there's this great montage where she's coming into herself as a woman that that you know there's a voiceover but you see her physically doing it yeah, that is that is magnificent. So that in my mind, she's as much like like this is a film co-starring Margaret Avery, you know, because you see all of these different um, tones from her. You talked about it being progressive and I completely agree with you. I think the women have an amazing amount of agency in this film. Yeah. For it to be this sort of. um Italian, sexy Italian romp, right, if you will. Right, which is what it was based on. Right, which was what it's based on. I have to say that I, every time I've seen it, just, just. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco? That's with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. On the level of plot, I always thought the kind of aspect that, you know, it's sort of this almost topical story of 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 unionizing mm-hmm. and what's going on with him and these women it always seemed like a weird fit to me it's not a good fit. and i could never really articulate what it was but now i realize that the parts of the film with the women work best because michael schultz and the writers have an actual blueprint and this other stuff is there you know basically to move the plot along exactly but you know there are three women in this film that he that they're involved with. We haven't mentioned the the third woman who plays the wife of of the preacher, Sister who, Sarah. Sister Sarah, played by Marilyn Coleman, mm-hmm. who's one of these great actresses in the seventies that you see pop up. If if you recognize her from anything, she actually played Bookman's wife on wow. on Good Times. That's a deep cut. It's a deep cut, but she's another one that that she has the opportunity where she plays the first lady of a church mm-hmm. and she's kind of a school mom mm-hmm. and, you know, teaches piano. But from the moment you see her, 
there is this kind of sexiness. There is. Right underneath it. Yeah. And then, you know, the film kind of plays with that. Yeah, does. So that she has this, you know, so she kind of takes control of things. You know, we talked about um, Margaret Avery and as she kind of develops. So you have all of this wonder, all of these wonderful female characters. And then there's Richard Pryor. And, and I completely, like what I said was, it was fascinating watching Michael Schultz kind of figure out what to do with Richard Pryor right. at any given moment right. in this film. Because Richard, I, th- I think you're right. I think Richard Pryor as, I think because he's, he, you know, he's, he's arguably the greatest, greatest comedian that's ever lived. And even in 77, people were saying that this, like, we're never going to see anyone like Richard Pryor again. We want to make him a comedic actor. Right. But I think there are scenes in this film that are just as strong as the comedy mm-hmm. that aren't funny. Yeah. You know, there's there's a sequence where he is, he, he you know, basically his courtship of Lynette McKee's character. And he has this little monologue that's actually touching. Which one? Where where. where, are where, they? where when they first get involved, like remember they spend the day together, and then yeah. he says, "You know, I'm I'm just going to have to leave because when they're at her apartment. at her apartment, and he's going to leave exactly." And it's like this quiet moment where the film stops, yeah, and yeah. he just gives this monologue, and it's it's these moments throughout the film where where you see his face, you you see him emoting, as they say, mm-hmm. and he's fantastic, and you know, unfortunately. I feel like no one really knew what to do with Richard Pryor at this time. Like, and, and by Richard Pryor, I don't know how many comedic actors or comedians with this different vein got to actually explore these different colors of their performances. Like, like the one that comes to my mind immediately, and I know people did it before now, but it's it's like bill murray's second phase of his career mm-hmm. where you know you think about bill murray in lost in translation you think about him in something like um Ru- rushmore right where you know it's bill murray obviously he has this comedic timing obviously he's a legendary comedian but now he's kind of moved into this second phase mm-hmm. where he's this actor and and you know he has this kind of real pathos to him and i don't know if in the 70s like who all was really working that vein? Okay, you know what I mean. Okay. Where it's like, okay, you're a comedian. We're gonna have you do comedy, and for most of them, that's all they could do. But then you get this talent like Richard Pryor, which I think it's worth noting. At the same time, this is '77, so I don't know if it came out before or it came out after. But this is the year that the Richard Pryor show comes on, right? Which, if you've ever seen the Richard Pryor show, it's this same kind of thing. Where they have like these miniature plays mm-hmm. embedded in between the comedy, because Richard Pryor can do all of these different things, and you know, like how do you capture that in one film? So, huge fan of that. I thought, I thought it was a really, really good choice. Like, I, I appreciated the restraint of their use of Richard Pryor as his father and as the preacher. Yeah, like it was just enough of them in it that it was hilarious when they showed up, mm-hmm. but it wasn't so much that it overwhelmed the film. Yeah, it wasn't distracting at all. Right. 
So yeah, that was that that was actually very smart, and um, one because there, therefore, Richard in the lead role, you know, is actually the star of the film, mm-hmm. and it doesn't become you know the precursor to the clumps, right? Exactly. You know, so uh, I I really did appreciate that as well. I thought that um, it's interesting that. When I watched this, I had just seen, maybe about a couple hours earlier, um, uh, Unsung Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And they did the story of Pam Greer. Oh. And I I was not aware that Pam Greer dated Richard Pryor. Yes. And dated Richard Pryor... And when Richard started getting into, like, really heavy into the drugs, mm-hmm. well, he was into the drugs when he met her. Quit for her because Pam was not, was not, did, did not do any drugs. Sure. And if you're going to quit drugs, I mean, certainly. Yes, it is. <laughs> if you don't need it, if you ever going to have a reason. <laughs> right. Right. To, to drop the drugs. 1975, Pam Greer tells you to stop. She could turn me into a vegan. Yeah. Um, so so he stops, but, you know, drugs is a very powerful thing, and it, 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 he uh, falls back, and she leaves him. Yes. And um, she said that, you know, she didn't regret leaving him because she knew it was the best thing for her. Mm-hmm. But she regretted that she wasn't able to save him. Right. Because she could see where he was going. And when you were just talking about how, you know, uh, people not being able to not knowing or being unsure of what to do with Richard in and around this time, 77 and maybe in the years after it. I think part of that is also because Richard didn't know what to do with himself. Yeah. You know, he was he was getting lost in that stuff and God knows what that did to his personality, um, which is why I think that in many of his later films or as his films went on, you know, the sincerity that you see in his acting here in which way is up become just familiar ticks. Right. The affectations. And, right. Right. In all of the other films. Um, and I think that really is a shame. Uh, I think, I think within, I think Richard was a comedian first, but within him was a comic actor Mm -hmm. that never progressed. Um, like you were talking about Bill Murray. I I don't think Bill Murray is actually a, a, that great of a a comparison because Bill Murray was not a stand up stand up comic. He was right. a sketch comedian. Right. Okay, so that's always, fair. He was always about the act. Right. So he always had Okay, that's fair. That's fair. The the difference I think honestly is Eddie Murphy. And the and it seems it seems like, you know, on his face like duh, but I think that's a more apt comparison because while Eddie, you know, was uh an astounding stand up comedian. Right. I always got the impression that Eddie first and foremost actually wanted to act. I agree with you. I, I was actually going to dispute having Eddie Murphy as the parallel for the for the exact reason. Like I always thought that Eddie Murphy was first and foremost 
and we might just be splitting hairs at this point, just a performer. Fair enough. Like he's yeah. a performer. Yeah. And it just so happened. It's kind of like most deaf. Like most deaf mm-hmm. started acting before he was a rapper. And it just so happened that the, that the hip hop hit. And yes. for Eddie Murphy, you got the feeling, or at least I always got the feeling that because of Saturday Night Live, the comedy hit first. Right. But Eddie always wanted to act. He always wanted to sing. He wanted, whereas Richard Pryor, and you know, and I hate to, to, to move, like I think it's very easy to move in a cliche when you talk about Richard Pryor's comedy. But I think it's true. Like, like Richard Pryor was almost like this truth teller. Like, like it was funny and it was comedy, but, but this was not somebody that kind of rules of three and, or, you know, set up complication punchline. Mm-hmm. Like when you listen to Richard Pryor's comedy, it's, 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 it's more than just jokes. Yeah. So that in my mind, all of that is hard to harness yeah like you you i mean i think that's that's and i don't think anyone would disagree with this that richard Pryor was at his best on a stage mm-hmm. and i think part of that is you just have to let richard Pryor go right and let him do him mm-hmm. and you know scenes and 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 you know cut and this that and the other i don't know how much that was ever really in him right so yeah. But I, I I also agree with you. I think in, in this sort of been the ongoing conversation we've been having in in the Facebook group and you and I have been having it for like two, three years. I think this is why the great Richard Pryor film films are far and few and, and few between. Yeah, Be, because I, I do think like, how do you again, how do you harness this? Like, how right. do you hand Richard Pryor a script? Yeah. And say, okay, now do it. And then plus, as you said, we're we're moving very quickly into his 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 struggles with addiction and that affecting the choices that he makes. Oh yes it did. And Big his time. performances. Yes. yes and you know, it is it it's great that you have because I, I realize that I am a fan of a fair number of his early films. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like this. I've talked about Grease Lightning. I'm a big fan of Grease Lightning, actually, which he made with Pam Greer. Yep. I, I like um, Bustin' Loose. Blue Collar. I like Blue Collar. And and then, you know, as you get deeper into the 80s, he starts making choices. And, and you wonder, are, are, is is this Richard Pryor making the choice or is this the cocaine making the choice? And then when he makes the choice, it affects his performance. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's it, – yeah, this is a – you know there are parts of the film that don't age well. You know there there's some yeah. There's are you, are you thinking it's pr- primarily about the fight between? I'm thinking about the fight. I'm thinking about the you know it's a it's a you know it's a lot of casual use of homophobic language. Oh and, yeah. You know it's seventy seven. Yeah, there is both certainly. But um, I think ultimately this is a good film, and this is a film that holds up. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a film that holds up. It's it's. It's uneven. Um, the storytelling is a little like, where are we going here? Right. But um, and the whole union thing, and I I suppose it was topical in '77, but for some reason it feels like it's like, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like it's maybe a year or two off. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Like past. I agree, and 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 it feels you, you know it feels very tacked on. Yeah, like the whole plot. 
right. with, with the, the dudes and they're almost in like a, a secret society with the rings and and and, yeah. you, and you know you kind like they kind of sort of make a passing effort to show him being corrupted mm-hmm. by his job but nothing comes of that right at all you know by the end um L- Lynette McKee's character leaves him and and the, the implication is because he wasn't who he was supposed to be but it's never really filled in as as a storyline no like what's all, going you know, on she could have just left him because she left with his with his boy right right but you know they're they're both strong union members right you know they're both down with the cause right but but yeah i agree with you about the uneven storytelling and was it a little weird at the end when margaret avery because he sees adam a yes and he run, goes running up to her, her and they have a nice little set of lines mm-hmm. between them and margaret avery never lifts her veil well she's dead to him i got that she was dead to him I did. So you really think that's what they were trying to imply? I think that's what they were. I think, again, I th- I think the real MVP of this film is Annie Mae. I no, think, I think right, she is. Right. But it's just but, weird but, that she didn't lift her veil. Well, I I think it also kind of mirrors. Even when she drove. It, well, she should have lifted her <laughs> That seems dangerous. <laughs> but, you know, it kind of mirrors the very beginning, the first scene with them together when he's trying to convince her to have sex. And he says, can you please open your <laughs> Open your legs. Can you unlock your ankles? Oh my god! (laughs) You know she's closed off to him. And did you notice that when the little boy interrupts her, (laughs) she grabs a blanket to cover herself? Yes, she's got a gown. She's no, it's not even a gown. In their bathrobe, she has on your grandmother's (laughs) nightgown. Everybody that's listening, if you ever saw your grandmother in a nightgown. That's what that's what anime is wearing, complete with turtleneck. It's like a a turtleneck <laughs> long sleeve, and it's so long I think you can't even see her feet, and yet she covers up. She says she covers herself. I'm up. not decent. I'm not decent <laughs> because she hasn't had her awakening from reading Cosmo, because <laughs> she has something on later on in the film. Oh yes. <laughs> 1970, like 1977, Lynette McKee ain't nothing to play with. 1977, Margaret Avery ain't nothing to play with either. I like Margaret Avery in 1980, whatever it was in the color purple. Oh, yeah, sure. Quietly, I like like 2016, Margaret Avery in Being Mary Jane. Quietly, you like Margaret Avery. Quietly, I like Margaret Avery. (laughs) So... It's like, ooh. But let me, okay, since we're in man moments here. Yes. Let me go back to 1977, late 1977, when I'm watching this film in the Walton Theater here in Philadelphia. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm seeing Lynette McGee, and I'm like, oh, wow. Yes. I'm seeing Margaret Avery. I'm like, oh, wow. Yes. But then we get to Sister Sarah. I'm telling you. Now, <laughs> Sister Sarah, you know, a nice looking woman. Good looking woman. Not Margaret Avery. Uh, Not Lebanon. Margaret, yes. And a little bit older. I a think. little bit older, but I think that helps. That, that, it, 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 yeah. Let me tell you something. 
when I, I'm watching this as a little as a little Ooh. kid, I'm about twelve years. Old. I am. I know. I'm, I'm not even twelve. Ten years I was about old. To say. I'm ten years old watching this film. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, where am I? It's a different day, it's ladies a different and gentlemen. Time. Walton Theater, dollar fifty. Watch what you want. Yeah. So, watching it, and it comes to the point where he grabs her up and starts kissing on her. Yes. And starts unzipping her dress. Yes. And you see just her dark skin. Yeah. Yeah. She is the woman that made me fall in love with dark women. Hey, man. Marilyn Coleman, I told you. I, I Look. Let me tell you. When he pulled that dress down off her shoulders. Yeah. And you saw a white strap of her slip. That's right. Because she's wearing a full st- a slip. Yes. Because she's a lady. Let me tell you, I lie to you not my hand of God, Vince. Ever since that day, and anyone who knows me will tell you, I have a thing for dark-skinned women with white. With white, I mean. It started here. It is. I found out this morning that this was based on this Italian comedy, and it suddenly clicked. Yeah. This is one of the sexiest movies I've ever seen. And there's there's a sensuality about the whole thing. And like you said, I, I mean, look, Lynette McKee, 1977, is is a force of nature. Mm-hmm. Margaret Avery in 1977, like, I don't know if Margaret Avery dances or did gymnastics, or, but Margaret Avery wearing a little nighty is a lot. Mm-hmm. So that you can almost see. You know, that kind of does the work in and of itself. But I think you're absolutely right. Marilyn Coleman is presented as an older woman. She's presented as the first lady of this church. She's she's presented as this woman who has been scorned and, 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 you know, talking about these women grabbing their own agency. She's basically a pawn Mm -hmm. in this revenge scheme. And then you get this wonderful reversal. Yeah. Where where these appetites awaken in her. Right. And it is, it is amazingly sexy. And it's it it's 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 really nice. It really is nice. It's, it's it, really nice. But and again, like we said, it's it points to the progressiveness of this film in that because this is the other thing that really hit me watching it this time. I was thinking about Claudine. Mm-hmm. And my my biggest thing against Claudine, and maybe it is my 2017, and I and at the time I thought it was maybe just my sensibilities of today, was that throughout Claudine, James Earl Jones is like, you know, almost like caping up that he left a woman with kids somewhere else. Yes, you know what I mean. He's like, yeah, you know, I couldn't deal with that, I, but you know, but now I'm here with you, and yes, it's going to be me and you, baby, one whatever. Right. And then when he gets caught. Uh, found out about it and they start uh, taxing his check he's like you know he he's pissed he's mad and everything like that almost to to the point where he leaves Claudine because I can't you know I can't deal with you right I can't deal with this and then he comes he, he comes he eventually comes back but 
he's never made to me to to me he he he's never called the task for running out on his own other situation. He's not. And and I don't even think he's really that much called to task for running down on Claudine. He's not. Because he basically comes back and she's like, oh, thank you, baby. Yes. You know what I mean? So, and at the time, I'm thinking that, that well, that's my 21st century sensibilities. Well, here's a film around the same time. That's right. Wh- where, no, it's not. You can, even back then, you know, he, Richard Pryor in this film, as, you know, sad sack as he as he is in this film, you know, He's a whole butt. Yes. In this film. Yes, he is. To 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 almost everybody. Yeah. And at every moment, especially as the movie starts gearing up towards the end, he gets his come up. That's right. Yeah, he he thinks he gets his come up over the man as he strolls off, but he's strolling off by himself. Yes, he because is. Because he has lost all of his friends and has lost both of his women. All three women leave him. Right. And rightfully so. Yes. You know what I mean? Um so that when I was watching that and he's strolling down the street, you know, I'm like, OK, this is a weird ending. But you know what? You earned that. Yes. You you earned that, Rich, because there, there's a part of me that wants to believe that the agency that is represented in those women in this film was Richard Pryor's doing, because as much as he may have, you know, the drugs were getting to him. All you ever hear him talk about, when you hear him talk about um, in his interviews, was, you know, the role that women played in his life. Yes. You know, straight up from his, his uh, what we now know, his upbringing in, uh, in a brothel. Yeah. yeah to, and his grandmother, he talks. Right, yeah. And his surrogate mothers that mm-hmm. he had. And, Absolutely. And even um, kind of like making surrogates of some of the women who would be his women and wives in yeah. his life. Oh, yeah. You know, so... I I want to believe that that was coming from his wellspring and he earned that strut down the street. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, which way is up? Dope movie, man. Now then, are we finished talking about the film itself and, and the attributes of the film? There's yes. one thing that, that I want you to indulge me. So do you remember the scene where, so, so Richard Pryor, Lynette McKee's, character they have a son mm-hmm. and do you remember the indian man who blessed the son they showed him real quick yes yes, yes 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 that was and let me see this is this is one of the greatest things ever to me that was corla pandit corla pandit. corla pandit and he was a musician composer pianist and television pioneer On the West Coast. He is known as the godfather of Exotica. Hmm. He was French Indian from New Delhi. Hmm. And he talked about how he, because of his his upbringing in New Delhi, and his mother was French and was a pianist, taught him this, and taught him all these things. So he would play all this eerie music, and his deal was he wouldn't talk. And there's this wonderful footage of him where you see him staring at the screen. As he plays this exotica music. And he doesn't talk at all. He doesn't talk. That was his deal. He didn't talk. Now then, everything that I just said is a lie. Because he was really a black dude. Wow. He was a black dude named John Roland Red. 
John Rolling Red. John Roll Roland Red from Missouri. <laughs> and he moved to Los Angeles, put on a turban, and pretended to be an Indian. Playing this music. Wow. Really? Let me tell you. Everybody listen to this. It's probably on YouTube. There is an amazing documentary about this dude. Really? About the whole deal. About him passing as Indian until like the the 80s damn near. Damn. And he was, I'm sure he was in this movie because if you were in LA, you know how you'd had these local stations. Right. And, and we talked, you know, stations would have their own personalities. Mm-hmm. He was a huge deal in Los Angeles. Like he had a television show, he had a radio show, he had all of this stuff. What? And dude. <laughs> was lying the whole time sidebar apparently this was a bit of a thing that happened periodically where black men would pretend to be indians like they would put turbans on their head well the sign says no blacks allowed okay but i'm from i'm from mysterious india (laughs) and i'm a swami and i got a turban on my head so now I got to come in here and do things and help these white women with their yoga <laughs> and various other things. Corla Pandit, aka John Rolling Red of Missouri. I had to stop the film when I was watching it, and I actually said, "Oh shit, that's Corla, that's Corla Pandit." <laughs> Wow. Yeah. How you like that? Wow. How you like that? Corla Pandit. (laughs) Wow. And if the people listening to this do nothing with this review, Google Corla Pandit. Well, spell it for them. K-O-R-L-A, second word, P-A-N-D-I-T. Name of the documentary. Let me see. Because I know the documentary's got to be. It's got to be on YouTube. Let me see the. It's got it's to be. Corla. It's just called Corla. Came out in 2014. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's the same. That is the same, man. So, there's also that. Okay. <laughs> all, all right. Well. So, that's, that's, your little, that's your little bonus tidbit. From the two of us here at the Michelle Mission. Don't say we didn't tell you. Don't say we didn't tell you nothing. Look at him. Corla Panda. I mean, he looks Indian. (laughs) Well, that's what people thought for, um, for like 50 years. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he does. I mean, It does. It's crazy. He's the one that blesses their son. It's, wow. <laughs> I'm looking at like his his, his family is his family is Francis Red, Ruth Lankford Red, <laughs> Dorothy Red, Harry Elmore Red, Pauline Marie Red, Ernest Red, and Corla Pandit. Corla Pandit. <laughs> <laughs>
put on a turban, started Exotica. You know who he is? Who? He's the first Kaiser Sose. (laughs) (laughs) That's who he is. There you go. That's who he is. He's Kaiser Sose. You weren't ready for that. No, I was not. (laughs) I was not. Well done. All right. Well done, my friend. So I guess you would you recommend people see which absolutely. way is up? Absolutely. I absolutely recommend people see which way is up. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. go check it out. All right. Vince. Yes. I'm going to Baltimore this weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, I nice. Gotta go, I gotta go there on like a little business thing. Okay. So and I didn't do it last time. Yes. So I'm going to do it this time. Oh, Lord. Is this about chicken boxes? I'm going to get a chicken box. Oh, Lynn. Well, you keep telling me I have I to know. have it. I think the problem is I'm completely out of touch. You tell me I have to have a chicken box. I do, but now I don't know where to send you because all my place is closed. <laughs> they weren't selling any more chicken boxes? I'm, well, you know, Baltimore is a city it's hard time. with challenges. So <laughs> things, things are difficult. So where do I go for it? I, oh, I don't know. Where's that shopping thing? Langford? Yeah, Lexington Market. Yeah, Lexington Market. That didn't close. Lexington Market didn't close. But. You need. God, I, hate, I feel bad even saying this when we're taping. You need to just be careful in Lexington Market. A little shady. Yeah. yeah Lexington Market is not for the faint of heart. But Isn't it in downtown it Baltimore? Is, it, yeah, it absolutely is. Is downtown Baltimore shady? I mean, we are a city dealing with challenges. With, with challenges. Okay, so but if you get to Lexington Market, and you know it's an appropriate time of day, and what's an appropriate time of day? I like noon. noon. <laughs> Five minutes to noon, right. not ten afternoon. See, stop. ten afternoon don't is too do late. Stop, stop. Yeah. I'm just asking. Lexington Market. I'm is asking. Nice. I don't know. Cross Street Market is also a good Cross place. Street Market. Cross Street Market is Are they in the same vicinity. Uh, uh, of yes. one another? I mean, you know, man, like 10, 15 minutes apart. Okay. Yeah. So I should go to Lexington first, though. Yes. Okay. I remain a traditionalist. All right. So I'll so, go to yes. Lexington Market. Now, Lexington Market, isn't it a series of smaller shops inside? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, is there any one particular it's, it's one like, I should go to? Or just oh, I don't. I, I Like, when I was going, it was like the dude by the back, the, the second set of doors. I don't remember the name of the place. Was it, was it a Chinese yeah, place? Yeah. So I'm going to a Chinese Right. Place, it's so. usually, yeah. So I, am, a, a I just want to make sure. Vendor, yeah. So I'm not going to the brother. Right. Well, the brother ain't going to make a good chicken box. Well, I don't know how many brothers have chicken box establishments. establishments. Okay. Again, I don't know. All right. You, you know, like apparently the entire landscape is, you know, I haven't lived in Baltimore quietly since 2000. Yeah, but you go back all the time. I go, but you know, you know how it is when you go. Like I visit my parents, I visit my siblings. I can't tell you what's going on in my parents' house. How my parents' house has changed since two thousand. You think I can go to your your mom's house? She'll make me some chicken. She probably would. I mean, I know I'm not less. Yeah, your friend less. You know, less we get like you know Cornish hen to himself. But you know, do a show with you. I, I always found that the Cornish hens to be weird. I never liked Cornish hens. Did Cornish your mom? Not bad. Did your mom go through a Cornish hen period in the eighties? Not really. No, she didn't. Okay. My sister, my older sister, she makes Cornish hens. Yeah, I, I ain't really. My mom went through a Cornish hen period. I ain't really. I, I, it was just weird. 
I like duck. I don't like duck, but people tell me that I don't like duck because I haven't had it properly. So you gotta get it right. So I've so I will I will submit that I may not have had good duck before. But the couple of times that I've had it, I didn't like it. Okay. It was too oily. Yeah, see, that's the person didn't let the grease drop. You got to let the grease drop. drop. So, there you go. Wow. Well, all right. So, that, that was- There you go. Coral Panda, chicken boxes, and duck. Duck. <laughs> what a way to end. What a way to end the show. The show. Go check out Which Way Is Up, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. It's streaming right now on uh, Amazon.com. You can rent it there. Or if you got their Brown Sugar subscription, the Brown Sugar channel, it's free. Yeah. So you can check it out there. We have the, the best in black exploitation films. Even though I, I actually think, um, oh, what's the Richard Gere, Julia, Julie. I was going to say Lethal Weapon too, but you're talking about Pretty Woman? Pretty Woman. Yeah. I actually think Pretty Woman is on brown sugar. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird algorithm. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> they pull. I don't know how that algorithm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they got there, but I think yeah. it's there. All right. Um, all right. So we got to get out of here. Uh, we we may have a guest next week. Uh, I'm the guest is still up in the air. So whether or not she's going to do it, so nice. We I have to find out. So it may just be the two of us. Hey, I know the week after is rock solid. Okay. But next week is up. So I guess I shouldn't pick a movie for next week then. Well, not yet. Not yet. We'll announce it. We'll announce it. So so. look for us on Instagram or on Facebook, on Twitter. uh, Because I'm locked and loaded, baby. I'm sure you are. And uh, email us at themashomachine at gmail.com. All of your feedback. We appreciate it. We read all of our emails. Yes, we do. Um, We had a couple that we didn't read today. I'm sorry. But we've read them. So we'll read them next week. So Aaron... I got your email. It's on lock. Okay? I got you, bro. And, uh, oh, and a shout-out to uh, two shout-outs. One to Christopher Goodnight, who was a big fan of one of my other shows, Gutter Talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but who has found his way to the Michaud Mission. Okay, nice. And has become a, a fan of the Michaud Mission. Very well. nice. So I appreciate that, uh, Chris St. Saucy Goodnight, for... Um, for locking in and becoming one of the missionaries. And also a big shout out to Jay Webb, AKA MC Picket Fence. Yeah. Who is in fact an MC. Very nice. Did you know that? I did not know that. I did not know that at all, but he is an MC and he's got a little bit of music. All right. Now like to hear it. I would play it at the end of the show. Very nice. So uh, just for you, for uh, he's actually, his cousin is Greg Sims. Oh, okay. Very nice. So the family that Michelle's together. It's good stock. Good stock. They say the blood will tell. And the blood has told. Good stock. And oh, one last thing. Mm-hmm. Big up, big shout out to uh, the Mystics. Dorian and Simone Missick, who um, following them on Instagram and, and Twitter, it looks like they had a very triumphant opening 
um, to the film. Yeah, they, they did Jin. Yeah, yeah. At South by Southwest. I'm I'm very much. Did you see? Did you watch the trailer for it? I saw the trailer. It looks yeah. really really yeah, good. Yeah, I was so. actually looking to see if there was some place where it was streaming, but I yeah. don't think it's streaming. Yeah. Yet. Um, because I really wanted to check it out. Really, really does. Look yeah, good. it does look interesting. It really looks good. So uh, look for that film coming your way, Jin J I N N, not to be confused with a horror movie from 2014. Because when I looked to see if it was streaming, you, you it, found it a came horror up, movie, and then I was like, "Oh, it's streaming." I was like, "Whoa, right?" <laughs> hey, Simone. <laughs> 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 right. Delete, delete, delete. delete. Right. That's a different movie. Yeah. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That, that uh, looks really good. So, and it looks like everybody was well uh, received at South by Southwest. So, congratulations to the both of them. I know that's kind of like a passion project for the two of them. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm very happy uh, for them. And we wanted to extend our shout outs. Excellent. All right. We're going to get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. The show will be available on MichelleMission.com, as well as on the Podglomerate family of podcasts. All right. Podglomerate.com and check out all of their cool podcasts, including The Feast, which is the beast. Trust me. Um, and on Saturdays, the show in, in edited form streams live. Well, not live, but uh, in an edited form. It is on WPPM LP 106.5 FM People Power Media Philly Cam Radio all here right. in Philadelphia and Camden. Got to get out of here. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. Sweet smell of cocoa butter seeping in your brown melanated skin. Bubble ones looking good cause you stuffed in them. Sun rays bouncing off the glow of your aura. Crown showing even though invisible. Not a follower, a true individual. Stepping like you floating on your car. True way to rock in Nefertiti. God body, sense God body. Electromagnetism, Big Bang Theory. Even in a crowd you can feel me. Down with Malcolm, put you down with Pikachu. Blur indeed, make them run up and see. God body, sense God body, electromagnetism, Big Bang Theory. Even in the crowd, you can feel me. Even in the crowd, you can feel me. Queen Angelic, majestic with the connection, sexy without sexting. No need for nakedness, display your gratefulness. Goddess, you impressive, anointed in oil, making blood boil. Patchouli scream, do me mentally, admire me more than physically. Only then we can get busy, only then we can get busy. Only then we can get busy. God body, sense God body. Electromagnetism, Big Bang Theory. Even in a crowd, you can feel me. Down with Malcolm, put you down with Pikachu. Blur indeed, make them wanna plant seed. God body, sense God body. Electromagnetism, Big Bang Theory. Even in a crowd, you can feel me. 
even in a crowd, you can feel less for Wakanda. Riding Pimpel hybrid Honda. Let's grow a garden. You like sweet peppers, meet your lapinos. I like my beans, kidney, and pinto. Let's have a feast, bake some bread, let's eat. Later on, I'ma paint your feet. Rub your body till that pain cease. You work hard in this world, and I know it. Tonight, I'ma thank you for it. God body, sense God body, electromagnetism, big bang theory. Even in a crowd, you can feel me. Down with Malcolm, put you down with Pikachu. Blur indeed, make a run up and see. God body, sense God body, electromagnetism, big bang theory. Even in a crowd, you can feel me. Even in a crowd, you can feel me.